Hola, amigas. Mi nombre es Rita Bautista, and I am the founder of the Latina Podcasters Network, a platform created to globally amplify the voices of Latinas who podcast. I started my company because I wanted to hear the voices of my community and my people reflected back into my ears. Well, this podcast is dedicated to all of those dreamers and founders who decided that they also wanted to take a chance on themselves and create something for their community. In Empodera Latina, you'll hear stories from CEOs to social media experts, moms, tech company owners, and leaders from across the world that are all Latinas here to share their stories with you weekly. Stay tuned. On our first episode of Empodera Latina, I interview Ana Flores. She's the founder of Latina Bloggers Connect, We All Grow Summit, and SpanglishBaby.com, and she boasts over 15 years of experience as a content creator, writer, television producer with a specialty in the U.S. Hispanic industry. Luck would have it like most other entrepreneurs, during the pandemic, we had to find different ways on how to change the models of our business. Find out how Ana uses her intuition and other specialty business practices that allow for her to use her Empoderad Latina power from the inside to make her business successful on the outside. Anna, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you, Rita, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about pivoting and how entrepreneurs or solopreneurs, podcasters, or anybody who's listening to this episode um, can focus in on how to be good at pivoting. Pivoting is never something that people actually want to do, uh, but it's it's almost like needed. It's part of our lives. And for all of us who've been living through this pandemic, we know that our lives continue to show us that we have to be open to change regularly. But before we dive into that, I want to get started. Anna, tell me three words that would best describe who you are. Um, so my senior class gave me the superlative of nonconformist, so I'm going to own it. I hated I it back it. there, but I kind of love it now. So I'm nonconformist. I'm a bridge slash connector. So I'll make that one word. Um, and I am a change maker. So you're a change maker, a bridge, a bridge maker, you said, right? A bridge, an, a bridge, a bridge, a connector. A bridge. Mm -hmm. And a nonconformist, which would explain, obviously, your network, right? Your network of <laughs> thousands and thousands of Latinas. Obviously, you're an entrepreneur. What would you say are mm -hmm. three words that would best describe an entrepreneur? As myself as an entrepreneur or entrepreneurship? Because entrepreneurship. I describe myself as an entrepreneur very different than your traditional entrepreneurship. So, um, I mean, what I don't want to just put three words into entrepreneur, what people would expect me to say, right? So, what I, what, what I, how I see entrepreneurship is um, I want intuition, mm -hmm. courage. And heart. There has to be that heart, but that heart with grit and passion. Mm -hmm. It give you a lot of words. Yeah, <laughs> I just realized. Well, it seems that intuition is becoming more and more of a common theme. Do you think that this is something that as women, 
we're it's almost like a, a big empowerment tool that we have that I wouldn't say men don't have intuition, but we're like almost more connected to it as nurturers. Do you think that that's like a common theme that we're going to continue seeing in business in general? Well, yeah, I love that it's becoming much more validated because that's the only, that's how I've created my business from the beginning. I've been I, I've had to bit. I've had to allow myself to be led by my intuition because there was no other role models. There was no one else to, to, and that was, I'm not going to erase all the women that supported me along the way. Right. But they, they weren't on the same exact path that I was driving. So there was other bloggers, there was other women that were creating these networks, but they weren't for Latina bloggers. And they were the ones that were helping me understand this, but really the, the support system around me, my, you know, my family, my dear friends, the people that mirror you every day, um, I didn't have, um, they, they really didn't understand how to support me because what I was creating was completely unknown to them. So while they could see my passion, there was really nothing more for them to, to help me to push that through, right? And to see it through. So I had to follow my intuition to understand. Plus, you know, 10 years ago when I was launching my business, it was, and still like the books for, you know, a lot of the business books and et cetera are geared towards white men in general. So you can read them, you can extract from there, but you have to extract and then do the extra work of applying it to you and just extracting, you know, like filtering through what works for you and the rest, letting it go. Because I was, there are many things where I will not let go of that feminine leadership that I want to see of that redefinition of power and not the traditional power that we understand as linear as power over you, right? Where a lot of the structures have um, that, that exist right now and the systems that exist have been built. So I think we have a beautiful opportunity as women as we're creating these new businesses and, and new spaces that are that are opening up for us. Like podcasting wasn't a space where five years ago, I mean, five years ago, podcast was around, but you didn't think it was accessible to you, right? So now we're seeing all these spaces that are accessible to us and we have the opportunity of defining how these systems are going to look. And I think it's incredible that they, that they can be led via intuition and via the heart and that those are words that are applied in business. So I'm guessing you're going to write the new business book for Latinas, right? There's something in the works. <laughs> <laughs> that was my intuition talking, but I'm glad to hear that because I'm definitely going to pick that book up. What have been some of the unique hats that you've had to wear along the way as an entrepreneur? Do we have time? <laughs> <laughs> every single one, um, every single one from like designer to um, um, website designer <laughs> to um, salesperson, marketing, copywriter, social media, um, assistant, <laughs> like doing everything, um, operations, administrations, I kind of like I've had to learn every single thing. Um, I can I, I can use from Canva to, you know, the social media profiles to like, I learned CSS when I was doing my blog. I mean, we had to learn everything, but I get but I've never complained about it. Because I think that's that that that's what I loved about it that I could that I that I know that I have the capacity of learning anything, right? That we are in a time where everything is figure outable, everything is accessible via Google, via people that you can reach out, via communities that you can ask for support. You can figure things out on your own. Um, oh, did I forget lawyer? Um, <laughs> I know how to read a mean contract and create contracts, <laughs> like, and then just, like, all of it. Um, 
but but I, I I really do love it because that means that that those are the walls that aren't there for us anymore, right? I mean, part of of what I've had to grow into my role as a CEO is is understanding where to let go and understanding how to delegate and understanding how to manage a team and create a culture and create an environment um, and and putting myself in that place where yes, you're capable of maybe doing a little bit of everything doesn't mean you're going to be the best at it. Um, what the team needs at this point is leadership. And I think that's all, that's the hardest hat to wear, right? Because, but it is a hat that I wear so proudly because I know that it has a relationship to every single other hat that the team is wearing because I understand and I can put myself in the place of what they're doing because I've probably done that job already. I mean, people don't know for some years, some months and years when things have gotten tough with We All Grow, the person doing social media has been me. <laughs> so you see a robust social media profile and you don't imagine that the CEO is behind it at that moment, right? We we have incredible social media team now, but there has been moments when it's gotten tough when that's that's what we've had to do. Um, but I love it because that would put me back in connection with the community. They get a deep level of really reading every comment, listening, you know, reading every DM and going through the feed and seeing what everybody's doing. And that would inform what then me as a CEO um, could make decisions based on what was best to what I was listening from the community. I love that. I love that a lot because, you know, you get the opportunity to hear the voice and then shift from the actual person that you're trying to target anyway. So like what better way to, to survey or to hear the voice of your community and the people that follow you than to actually get it from them? And how awesome is it that we have the opportunity to utilize a tool like social media to be able to connect to each other? Mm -hmm. That has been that that has really transformed our communities, right? The, the the Latinx communities and and how we have been able to first understand our power, right? Because we've been able to use these mediums to spread that information, to share that information, so that everybody understands how powerful we are. Because we've been made. I mean, the way that you oppress a community is by making them feel powerless. So having this information, having access to to that information, allows us to see like, wait, I actually really matter and really count and I really make a difference in all these different spaces right so um starting from there and then being able to connect with different people and hear all of our stories and see yourself reflected in all these stories and hear the 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 stories from women who have been successful that either look like you have some similarity to your to your shared culture etc where that starts creating a path of of belief of 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 you believing that it's capable for you as well. So I think we're, I mean, the social media has really transformed the landscape of, and we're seeing it, right? We're seeing that across the world, um, how systems of oppression are completely dismantling because we now have these powerful tools that can be used for good or for bad. Um, and we're deciding to use it for community, for growth, for sisterhood, for inspiration, for you know sharing that knowledge between us. Was there any hat in particular that you were wearing as an entrepreneur up until now that has surprised you that you've been able to excel at? Mm hmm. Good question. So actually, I was thinking the other day, I mean, in marketing, there's so many terms that, you know, when you're in, in calls that people use the basics like ROI, which is return on investment and all these other um, acronyms, right? And I remember sitting on those first phone calls when I had that. So when I launched We All Grow, it was called Latina Bloggers Connect. Um, it was the very first influencer network connecting Latina bloggers with brand. But mind you, influencer network didn't, ex influencer um, 
the word influencer didn't really exist. It was bloggers, right? Instagram didn't exist. Um, influencer marketing did not exist. So we were a network, right? Um, so I, I had a hard time explaining what we did, but we were always talking with marketers. And at the end of the day, it was marketing that we were doing, but I didn't study marketing. I studied production. So half of the time when they would tell me, okay, send me the ROIs with the da-da-da. And I was like, oh my goodness, what are they asking me for? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, sure. Of course we have all of that. And then I would have to Google is like, oh, or call a friend. I'm like, what, is, what does this mean? What am I supposed to do? And I would figure it out. Um, and, and I think marketing <laughs> and those, and that traditional role, I think was one of the, the, the things where I felt kind of an imposter, but at the same time, I was good at it, right? I was, I was good at the creative part of it. Um, I just didn't go to school to understand or came from that background to understand, um, the acronyms or, you know, the standard terminology around it. But that was a hat that, that, that looking back, I'm like, okay, how did I get through that? <laughs> yeah. That imposter syndrome, though, it sounds like you really like, you know, knocked it out of the ballpark because like imposter syndrome is the most debilitating thing in the world. How do you go about moving past that? Oh, it's always around, always. But you know what I've learned to. What I finally have learned is, is that it is really hard for us to see ourselves as other people see us. Right. Mm -hmm. So. Just as people, you know, we, we're always thinking about, we're always our worst critics, right? So we always think that people are criticizing us as well, right? Or seeing our flaws. But so when we see that people see our, our, our positive sides, our sides, um, our leadership, uh, things that we haven't been able to, capable to see of ourselves, our qualities, and when they can see that in you and that's when imposter syndrome shows up because it's when you get an opportunity that you don't think that you are ready to take on because you haven't seen that but obviously that person that brought it to you already has so if if you reflect on that for a moment and you allow yourself to receive that as a sign of leveling up that it is really hard for us to see that right and for me it, how it's looked as the one that came up right now, and it's not to brag, it was just a very important moment that I was invited to speak at the at Obama's White House, not with Obama. He used to have, they used to have an office for women and girls, which I hope that Biden brings back up. Um, and they were doing very important work. And I was, I was invited to speak on this um, one day conference with really important people um, from across various industries and medias and toy to talk about gender um, gender representation and diversity in media and toys with, with children. And back then I was also very much known for Spanglish Baby and a book that I wrote called Bilingual is Better. So I could not understand why they were calling me. I'm like, what, what do I have to give? And why is what I have to share valid at all? And I actually had to ask the question and, and the person who invited me explained what she had seen in me. And her validating what she, how she saw my business and how she saw what we did from outside. And she's not Latina, um, even helped me transform my business, right? Because I started seeing it, the true value that I had not understood of what it meant to the outside world, because we were so much in our silos. So that helped me, you know, in that sense, that's how I was able to get through the imposter syndrome in that moment. But there's always those opportunities that come to speak at this event or, um, to write a book or to, you know, um, submit an article for something, et cetera. But it's usually around, why do I need to speak about that? Who am I? Who cares about what I have to say? Somebody cares. 
And if they see it, it's because you're ready and you need to have the courage to believe in it. Well, you just gave me goosebumps all over because, you know, I keep telling everybody like 2021 is the year of the Latina. Like we have to be more upfront and center and not be afraid to be bold and have the audacity to talk about the things that we are working on, whether it's Mm -hmm. being an assistant or an associate at at an at a corporate company or whatever, whatever your expertise is, even if you're just getting started, don't be afraid to put yourself out there and to be visible because we're creating a space for those behind us who are looking forward up at us, right? Like they're, they're Mm -hmm. almost like we have the ability to change what we didn't have when we were growing up. We really just want to find a place to feel like we belong. Right. And, and the way that you create that for the next generation is by being open and vocal and talking about your experiences. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's pretty awesome. And then, yeah, well, they're looking at us, right. Like you said, and, and I'm a mother, I have a teenager and I know that she's constantly looking at me and and the best way that I'm going to teach her is by example. Um, cause they definitely don't want to hear, <laughs> don't want to hear things from you, but they're, they're seeing you the whole time. But mm-hmm. imagine reflecting what you're saying. Imagine actually everything that we have done as a community in the last two generations, right. From, from even, or wherever you're standing and which generational aspect you're in right now, if you're first generation Latina, second generation, et cetera, et cetera, looking back at what your parents did and where you are right now. And that we did it without opportunity, really without having the opportunities for it, right? We've had to carve our own paths without funding, without access, without mentors. And it's not from a victim mentality or from a victim place. It is what it is. And even, even though we've been able to do so much, right, there's still so much more opportunities, but now we're, you know, we, we're excelling in the workforce, we're excelling in college, we're excelling, like, in, like finally accessing master's PhDs, opening businesses, where Latinas are the, are the cohort that are opening more businesses than any other group in the country. We were able to change the face of politics in many states, et cetera, right? Like we are powerful. So imagine what we could do if we actually had access and funding and opportunity and mentorship and like a real, real, real push towards elevating us. Are you a podcaster and having trouble trying to get an audience to connect to your podcast? Well, we have a solution. Join the largest global platform in the world for Latinas who podcast, latinapodcasters.com. Add your podcast to the directory and you'll get a lot more listenership to your podcast. For more information, go to latinapodcasters.com. You know, I you mentioned being seen and being open and 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 being out there. And one of the things that I admired about you during the pandemic or as the pandemic shifted um, entire business models, right? You took to social media and you had to be very candid and vulnerable to talk about the change for We All Grow Latina. And, you know, it was very interesting to watch as somebody, as a spectator on the other side, um, and you having to explain having to cancel a conference that you worked so hard to put together. What was running through your head as you delivered this information to everybody? Well, first of all, I, I was a bit relieved that I finally got the courage to to do that video because um, it had been some really tough months. Our conference, We All Grow Summit, this um, 2020 was our sixth year and it was um, being held the last weekend of May. So when the when we went into lockdown, I, I believe it was like March 13th, 
um, we had already been like for weeks monitoring it, right? Because we knew we were seeing like South by Southwest and all these other conferences, what was going on and the news and we're like, something is happening. And we were at the moment of closing the big sponsorships. We were two months away. Um, people think that sponsorships are locked a year in advance or not. <laughs> They're like mm-hmm. months away. So we're like, okay, we have 500 tickets sold. We were expecting a thousand people. Yeah. Um, a lot of the other tickets were speakers and sponsors, et cetera, but we were, you know, we were about to be sold out and we had already had 500 tickets sold for like 10 months. So the moment that we had to cancel it, I mean, it, it was, we postponed it first and then we had to cancel it. But the thing is that when we postponed it, we pretty much knew that we were going to have to eventually cancel it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that meant that we were going to have to refund 500 tickets at $440 each. We had just lost all of our sponsorships. Um, and, uh, you know, and we had some sponsors that I had already paid and we were trying to figure out, are we going to be able to make, do it make good? Are we going to have to refund this money? I mean, it was, and this, aside from that, events were 80% of our revenue at that point, our model had shifted. So we were mostly doing events. Um, so everything, not only were we thinking we're going to have to close, but we're going to be really indebted. And one thing is having a debt to a bank that you can negotiate with. And another one is having a debt to your community. If $440 for people that were losing jobs, that were getting sick, that it meant, you know, $440 could mean rent, could mean grocery money, could mean so much for our community. And we knew we had that debt and it was horrible. So the only thing that was the thing that was, that wouldn't let me sleep at night because somehow I knew that if I had to close the company, I would be okay. I would figure it out. I would consult, whatever. I would figure it out. I've done it before. I've been through that path before. It is okay. I would figure it out. But owing over $200,000 to the community, that was the part that was tough for me. So I really wanted the community to understand that no matter what happened, if I had to announce tomorrow, we're going to close, the debt that we had to them, we would work, we would figure something out, right? That, 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 that would not get canceled. So I needed to get up. I need, I found that Instagram was going to be the best method to do that. So um, what was going through my head, it was just like, I really hope that they understand and feel the heart and the consciousness that this is coming from. I don't want it to feel like we're making excuses. I don't want it to feel like we're trying to cop out of something. I don't want it to feel like we're being victims. Nothing like we are owning up to it. Like many other businesses, like everybody was, you know, it was me, everybody was going through something. So it's not like, oh, look, we we're having a bad time. And, you know, you're going to have to pay for that, too. No, we had to stand up for it and figure it out. So that's why I, I, I got up one day, I was like, okay, today is the day um, and put it up. And actually, the things that I'm, I can't tell this, share the full story yet. But um, something really great came out of that video. Um, a, a DM that I got like that night from somebody really powerful um, and hopefully is um, is going to help continue changing what we're doing with We All Grow. But um, but then what happened, it was just like the community support, right? That we were like, we're going to figure it out if, if, but we also were like, if you, if you still, we want to be, we want to make sure that all of those who need a refund immediately are the first ones to get it. So if you can wait, help us, right? Give us a little bit more time. If you can wait until the end of the year, until August, let us know so that we can just start so that we can do this together and help the ones that need it the most. Um, So long story short, we ended up getting um, uh, the PPP loan, which helped for like a month. And I was able to bring the team back on. um, And then we got the the SBA um, emergency, uh, the EIDL loan. 
And with that loan, we were able to pay all the refunds that were requested. And yeah, but that, that was, that was a burden that, I mean, carrying that for months plus figuring out how to maintain everything afloat, right. Um, And your team and making sure that your team is okay, that you're okay, that you're going to have enough, you know, it was, it it, it was tough months. Um, But we, we made it through and we're actually in a much better place now. That's, it's always great to hear, right? Like when people are trying to pivot through, oh my God, my business model is changing completely. Did you ever feel like your business wouldn't survive? Well, you know what? Somebody told me when, when, actually when we announced the conference was going to be canceled, which was like, I believe like the next day after we went on lockdown or that same day, we put up a post saying, um, our, this, our spirit isn't canceled, right? So and we kept hearing from people like the spirit of we'll grow. It doesn't matter if we're not in the same place. It doesn't matter if we're not in the summit, in that conference, right? The spirit can still transform. And I think that's that's what talks to us at every level, whatever we're doing and wherever we're at, right? We think we tie our identity so much to our job, to the labels that we belong, to our hometown, to our city to our boyfriend to our husband. I mean, we tie our identity to so many things that when we lose those things, we we think that we have lost something in that, right? That that almost like it takes away something from you. But it's just it's 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 all energy that's transforming all of the time. And it's up to you to what you're gonna do with what you have learned from that person, from that job, from that situation, from that place, and how you're gonna apply it to because you're still the channel you're still the one through through who that energy is manifesting, right? So if we were able to do it via this physical summit, there had to be another way for us to continue manifesting what we did with the summit, which was nurture a community, nurture a sisterhood, create connections, inspiration, education, and opportunities. So we found that the digital space was where we could continue doing that. Um, and we already had a community via Mighty Network that had been around for free for about 10 months. Um, Before that, it was a paid community, but we had already pivoted into a free community, thankfully. Um, And that community, We All Grow Amigas, had 3,000 members in March, 100% organic, grassroots, no pay, no advertising. Um, And now we have over 10,000. So that, I mean, that's what people want. They want connection. I love what you said about the fact that, you know, how we we still become those channels of that energy whenever we lose something or like that detachment of that thing that label mm-hmm. we still are able to to be that channel i mean that's that's such a beautiful way to think about it yeah yeah at, at the end of the day it's all about us right and i think that finally now self love is such an important topic right and it's always been and some people see it as like oh no i think there was a comment in a post that we did recently about something like oh this has become like um, it's become too self-centered right now, right? But but you know what? Being self-centered doesn't mean that you're not also a giving person and that you're not because you are reflecting that back to the world. And that's what we all need to be, these channels of love, these channels of light, these channels of wanting to bring um, good things back to the world. But it has to start with us. If we don't start that connection from within, then we don't have anything to give. And that's where, you know, if, if every single one of us, right. And we, and we can talk about this um, from the spiritual realm, from so mm-hmm. many, from so many different places, but it applies to business because we are creating businesses that again, are sustained by us. We're creating businesses that 
reflect who we are at every moment. Also, the businesses that we are doing, that women are doing, because we're, we're building them out of a passion that we have, or else why would we do it? Mm-hmm. We're building, not these businesses that we're building are not, we're not monetizing them right away, right? These are businesses that we're doing because we love that we will eventually, hopefully monetize. <laughs> and and, and yes. things are going to change and we will all be monetized because that's exactly where we need to be thriving because that's another thing. Money is energy as well. And how do we identify with that? Um, but that's a whole other conversation. But yes, I mean, we, we, we have to take care of ourselves, especially as entrepreneurs, especially as founders. ¿Saben lo que me encanta? Escuchar podcasts hechos por latinas con voces en español, inglés y spanglish. Si a ti también te encantan los podcasts hechos de mujeres latinas como yo, ve a latinapodcasters.com para encontrar más de 70 podcasts que están hechos por latinas y latinx creators como tú y yo. Para más información, visite nuestro website latinapodcasters.com. You know, I love that you talked about the energy, the energy, money is energy as well, as specifically related to being Latina, right? Like we are taught to be selfless. We're taught to be the caregiver, the, the, like, you know, we are taught at a very young age to use intuition. However, we are also taught to, to put it away at mm-hmm. some point in our lives, which I don't understand why, because it's such a beautiful gift that we are given, but mm-hmm. that energy flow of money culturally for some reason we believe that we need to get paid less and be more humble have you had to experience this and how did you get past that i i still i still and especially when in an industry that um that there is there there's no standards right anybody can at the end of the day anybody's charging whatever they want Mm -hmm. um and and so it's it's not like we're in a regulated industry where you know you know what the rates are or it's a union or et cetera. So we're all charging based really of 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 where our worth is or where we think our worth is and where other people are validating our worth. So for me, money has always been an issue, um, money and power. Um, and I feel that I finally have made peace with them because one thing that happened was that I finally realized that I was the one wanting to live in lack because I had never lacked anything. Hmm. anything. I am privileged. I grew up in a privileged society. My parents were always able to sustain and take care of me. I grew up in the middle of a civil war in El Salvador, yet I never directly suffered the impact of it. Um, you know, and, and this is my experience and it doesn't mean, and it doesn't mean that, you know, because my experience is privileged. It doesn't mean that it's, it's, I, it's easier for me to think of money in a different way because we all have different money issues stemming from where we come. So my money issue was that I saw money as corrupt because mm. I grew up around that privileged sense of power and corruption and military family. And, and, you know, and so for me, power, money meant power and power meant corruption and power meant that male domination that I hate it. Um, and I wanted to be as far as way away as I could from it. And that's why I never, I, I was born in Texas, but I grew up in El Salvador. Um, my mom still lives there and my sisters and I left at 18 and they knew I would never come back. And, and I still struggle with that because I could not identify with the way that what money represented in that society in that moment. Um, and so my issue was always like, I don't, I, it, it's not me because it's going to make me dirty. It's going to make me a bad person. It's going to make me so, you know, I don't want to be that person. Well, 
my mom wasn't a bad person, right? you know, mm-hmm. but it was just the reflection that I saw in society. So my, what I had to work through money was, was, was in, in definitely feeling that I didn't deserve it because for many years I didn't want it. But as much as I pushed it away at the end of the day, nunca me faltado nada, pero nunca me faltado nada because I've always worked my ass off. Always. Mm-hmm. I went to college. I worked during college the whole time. I had financial aid. Nobody paid for college for me. Um, you know, I did have support, but I, I still financial aid. I had straight out of college. I had my first job at Univision and I have not stopped working since. I've always created my own opportunities. But even as I was creating those own, my opportunities, I always felt that money was an issue. That's so interesting because there's so many people over the last span of three, four years, right, in podcasting in general, just like continuously interviewing people, that common denominator specifically with Latinos and Latinas is something that I I don't understand where this phenomenon came from, whether they came from privilege or have had to work or came here illegally. Like, it's a common denominator that I have no idea how we shake to say we deserve to get paid. Like, it's it's so weird. Like, I've even felt victim to something like that regularly mm-hmm. where I'm like, oh, no, uh, it's OK. I'll just get underpaid. Like, what? no, no. And, and they know that we're going <laughs> to they know that we're going to over deliver. Right. Yeah. They know that we're going to be that we're going to do the best job than anybody else. And that's why we listen. It's 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 a real fact. We we are the ones at the bottom of the totem pole for let for equal pay. We are the last ones. 49 cents the dollar that a white non-Hispanic man makes, right? We're right, we're below black women, but like two months below. Um, I can't remember how many cents. Um, it's it's horrible. We're also uh, uh, talking about entrepreneurship. I think the number went up a little bit, but I think it's still under 1% of VC funding money has gone to Latinas. Yeah, I don't even want to go there right now. It right. So, so I mean, it is, it is. It's 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 horrible fact. So it's yeah. a combination of is it us? Or is it that we have been living and existing in systems of oppression, right, since colonization that mm-hmm. that have made us that have that have made us. Um, and I know that the us is not monolithic, right? So some, mm-hmm. it's hard to have these conversations. And we're not talking about every single Latina. I did right. not represent it at all. Every yeah. single Latina experience in lo más mínimo. Um, but but it, but in, in the generalization tone, yes, within the community, this is definitely um, always an issue. And. And I just know that that for me, for me personally, it's it's. It, I even had a tar- hard time just talking about money, right? And that's one of the things that we need to do. We need to talk about it. So for Latino Copay, we did an event um, two years ago in various cities, and the one in LA, um, one girl got up. For many women, for many women, when we started talking about this, and different Latino organizations started talking about this, was when we finally realized that there was an issue. That's what I was telling you that the information itself. Once they understood that that was happening, they started wondering what was happening within their companies, right, where they were employed and started asking around because we think that we can't even ask because we think that it's illegal. And then most states, it's actually legal to ask your coworkers how much they make. Um, And once people started asking and finding out, this one girl was telling us that she was making $40,000 less um, than her colleague, who was a white woman doing the exact same job. She had been fighting for it for over a year and they still would not give her a raise, even knowing that it was the same exact job. So she thought it was so unfair because we were all telling her, girl, just quit. You know, like you're capable. She's like, but why should I quit? I love my job. Hmm. 
that's that's such a hard space to be in, right? Like when you love to do something, but you're getting underpaid, you're accepting less. So you're saying, you're I, less. yeah, mm-hmm. like I can do the work, I can do the exact job, but it's okay for you to pay me less. And that's, that's never okay. You hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's time for us to get equal pay and know what the that's pay is. One. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a really tough conversation because then there's people, you know, you understand what, understand and not when people are like, listen, I know that I could be getting $300 for that, um, but I'm going to charge a hundred because I really need to. But the mm-hmm. understanding that them charging a hundred then automatically brings down the rate for everyone because they're always going to be able to find somebody that charges a hundred. Right. So it's hard for us all to get on the same page. Like that's why unions exist. I guess it's really hard for everybody to get on the same page because people have different needs. Well, hopefully, especially in this area, the like content creators and influencers, mm-hmm. hopefully there becomes some sort of transparency at that point, right? And getting back to um, just the success story and, and moving away from, you know, your business during the pandemic as we're still in the pandemic now, but seeing mm-hmm. the thriving that you're you're seeing. There is a common denominator normally when people are de- are dealing with difficult situations. And when you saw this pivot or the shift that you did in your business, was there anything that you gravitated towards or a common process that you use in your life and also in business when you're dealing with difficult situations? Well, thankfully, I almost lost my business three years before that. <laughs> so I was ready this time. <laughs> I had already gone through the process in 2017. So I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I can handle this. No, actually, it did prepare me. Um, I was, my process was to go deep into within myself. My process was go as deep as you can, take care of yourself right now, listen to your intuition. And if things need to fall around you, allow things to fall. The moment that we start restricting and, and, and like get scared because fear, fear, autom- how does fear feels? Fear feels restrictive, right? We, and, and we, we cuddle up and because we don't want to let go fear. Like we have so much fear of letting things go. We have fear of death. We have fear like, and all of that is letting go. Um, and when I saw that I was probably going to have to let go of the company again, I had already made peace with leaving, letting go of the company three years before. Um, and like I told you earlier, I knew that if I needed to, if Ana Flores needed to remake herself, um, I would do it. I, I would, if I had to go find a job, I would do it, right? That what was the worst that can happen? Because it was a moment that was the collective. It was the full collective that was falling apart. And understanding that the way things were, were not right, <laughs> in any single way, you know, in many ways, like I keep, you know, when people say going back to the, to normal, normal, what we never, like, it wasn't a good place where we were at, honestly, mm-hmm. as a collective, right. Um, there was so much transformation that needed to be done that I was, I was able to see and, and to receive that information that this was that moment, right. Where, where the, where we are entering, we are part of that transformation. And, and the only thing you can do is to let go and allow whatever needs to happen to happen and to hold on to trust and to faith. I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, um, but I, I have very deep faith and, and it's faith, it's confidence. And it took a lot of, it takes a lot of courage as well to just say like, I am gonna be in peace. 
but I started doing Analilia's free breathwork classes every Saturday, not free community. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I did pay for them donation. Um, I started like just going into the tools that um, my self-care tools. So exercising and doing breath work and trying to write and just dealing with things that showed up right away that I knew that I should have dealt with years before that I thought I had, but I had only put a bandaid over them and they manifested themselves immediately. Like, okay, here are all the things that you need to start fixing. And this is when you're going to do it. And I got on the courage and I, and, and, and I, and I did that as well. So what it, so yes, to sum it up, what I did was go deep within myself, go, go deep, go deep and um, allow those moments of, because the first few months, right, there was a lot of quiet um, within the chaos. There was a lot of, you know, animals were coming back out to the street <laughs> and then there was no traffic. There was like the chaos of our lives, all of it, that buzz, that noise of our lives, all of a sudden it went. And that was the opportunity to reset. Amongst everything we can't, you know, amongst the suffering and all of that, but you have a choice of where you're going to position yourself. I love that. Thank you for sharing all of this with us. And I hope that everybody who's listening has picked up some, some amazing gems that you've dropped uh, today talking about entrepreneurship, but more or less pivoting. And, you know, all of this can be applied across the board, right? In entrepreneurship and business and parenting and life in general, just like all of these um, ideas and, and letting go is probably one of the most powerful things that I think I've heard this entire episode is you just talking about, you know, really just letting go and not resisting and allowing so whatever is going to happen. It really is freeing once you allow yourself to like truly, truly, truly let go um, because it allows you to live in the present. Because usually what you're letting go of are dreams, you know, expectations, again, identity. Oh, the E word is the worst word in the world. <laughs> especially other people's expectations of you right mm -hmm. and as latinas like you said we're givers so we want to make sure that we that we are there to deliver on people's expectations um but usually those expectations come from their own place of fear right and from their own place of holding on to something and holding on to what they think you should be for them in their lives and we can talk for hours <laughs> yeah i was gonna say letting go of mommy and papi's <laughs> ideas of who we're supposed to be I think what's beautiful about what happened during the pandemic of just us just silencing everything and what's left at that moment, right? Like when you have to really internalize and go deep and find who you are and who you were and then see what parts of those you're going to bring into the future with you, right? But mm -hmm. but experience in the present. I always I always like to like say like I am fully conscious and aware when I say this. I'm not negating all the hurt that the pandemic has brought. And thankfully, I haven't been affected directly, right? But so many people have been affected and that's part of the reality. And when I say we get to choose, is obviously we don't get to choose if we get sick or not. But even when we get sick, we get to choose how we react even to that, right? And that part of letting go. And if that's, that's even the part of letting go of what happens to us and the people around us at that moment, right? These, these are things that we can't control. And, and everything that we want to control is exactly what's, what's, what's making us live in fear every single day. Um, 
and it's very freeing when we're like, listen, no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. Because what really is the worst that can happen? Exactly. So Anna, we have gotten to power hour. (laughs) Power hour. (laughs) Where we get to dive into finding out who Ana Flores is on rapid answers of questions. So Ana, te vamos a hacer unas preguntitas. Just the first thing that comes to your mind as quick as possible, just answer it. I am so bad at these. (laughs) No pressure, but all the pressure, right? (laughs) All right. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay, cool. What was the last song you listened to on Spotify? It was an 80s playlist. (laughs) Uh, it's in excess what you need (laughs) awesome favorite class in school uh favorite class in school english what's your cell phone wallpaper oh it's awesome um it's it's the sky the view of the sky outside my balcony in playa del carmen right now oh so jealous jealous. (laughs) if you had a dream guest to be on your quote-unquote podcast who would it be Mm, a dream guest oh my goodness oh my goodness well okay the first one that came to mind right now was AOC I love her I've been dying to get her on the (laughs) you know what you're just gonna help me manifest that too because I've been dying to get her working on uh trying to get her on the show but um if you had to delete three apps from your cell phone which ones would they be Facebook, Instagram, (laughs) (laughs) and my email. An email. And then you can add Clubhouse to that now. Clubhouse is just like crazy with all the notifications. Crazy. Yeah. And then, okay, if you had a cartoon character to play you in a movie, who would it be? To play me? Uh The cartoon character would play me? In La Vida de Ana. Mafalda? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. I don't know. Do you have any siblings? I do. I'm the oldest. Who's your favorite? So (laughs) see, that's a tough question. (laughs) No, you know, because there's only one that I the the I have four three sisters from Mm -hmm. different marriage so the one that I grew up with completely more is Carolina so that's the one I'm closest to but um so I have to say her because it's the one that I have more closeness with yeah there you and go. lived experiences <laughs> with don't worry I have a bunch of brothers too from different <laughs> marriages, so I get it no worries so to wrap up the show Anna first of all I want to thank you so much for being here and for taking time out of your amazingly busy schedule and this mm-hmm. virtual reality of a life that we're living in now yeah. but to close up this show I want to know what is una Latina empoderada to you? The one that already knows her power and doesn't need to be empowered. Recognizes her power and is ready to unleash it. Thanks for tuning in to Empodera Latina podcast with your host, Rita Bautista. I'm hoping that you got a chance to fill yourself up with amazing, empowering stories from Latinas like you and I. For more information on Latina Podcasters Network, go to latinapodcasters.com. We also have a directory of over 70 podcasts listed there, all made by Latina and Latinx podcasters. 
Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and all your social media platforms. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to this podcast. And remember, keep it positive or don't keep it at all.